So this show is carbon positive. We've partnered with Carbon Positive to allow us to get to that point. Listen to the show to find out how you also can become carbon positive. I have one GCSE, I'm dyslexic, I'm dyspraxic, and I have mild ADHD, which makes things rather exciting when trying to run a business. However, I have built multi-million pound businesses with no investment, and now I invest in others. And guess what? I love every minute. I'm Oliver Bruce, this is my podcast, Success is in the Mind, and welcome to The Journey. A podcast where we speak to founders and entrepreneurs from the businesses that you've always wanted to know more about. We delve into the formative years of their business lives and ask those with the inside track on startup and scale-up life the questions I wish I knew the answers to when I started out. As always, the more you share and subscribe to this podcast, the more people that'll be able to learn, enjoy and avoid the mistakes that so many make. So, when should you raise VC funding? Should founders give all employees equity and what do acronyms banded around in boardrooms like SEIS, EIS, TAM and VAT actually mean to founders like you? We'll shed light on just how many founders are neurologically diverse and we'll show you how to get through tough times when things inevitably get hard. I'm Oliver Bruce and welcome to Success is in the Mind, The Journey. And what we're trying to create is a lifestyle. It's a way of being. It's, it kind of emulates what we're about. It's um, yeah about trying to live your best life. You know, there's no there's, failure is not an option. Basically, I know it's as cringy as it is, but it's, it's really not. So one of the briefs to our initial branding for Prime Time, like maybe the top line of of the um, branding brief is whatever the logo is, we want it tattooed on our body. Um, so it has to be cool enough, we have to like it enough. So we both have it tattooed. If you haven't moved your business along, you know, in one one step each day, you know, basically don't don't leave the office. Yeah, we're both yes men. I'm I'm probably more of a yes man. Sam, Harvey, welcome to the show. Sam, I want to start with you. You were born and now you're here. What's happened in between? <laughs> wow. I don't know where to begin. Um, a lot. So I guess right from the beginning i was born into a big a big family i'm one of five i'm the youngest one siblings in all different fields but ultimately i guess um all stems from sort of mum and dad dad was quite a successful guy had his own um marketing pr company got it to about two thousand employees um by the sort of 1990s and then floated it on the london stock exchange and, and sort of got out of it and now is in his 70s and still in the office every day and sort of grafting day in day out never really sees my mum so <laughs> she's happy but yeah I kind of, I kind of get that um, the business stuff from dad and then mum kind of uh, she was a TV presenter on the, she was BBC News Reader for several years so I guess that's kind of where I maybe had the, the instinct to have a little crack on TV but um <laughs> as we all know it was, uh, I, so I didn't realise that about your dad and your mum I didn't realise your dad had built such a such a big business and and in terms of what your mum did on TV that was I suppose pretty useful when 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 you need to do public speaking and such like but going back to your dad he was an entrepreneur you obviously built your business floated the business did that really help you with that risk mentality in terms of going actually dad's done it so it really can't be that difficult um, I'm gonna give it a go because you now run primetime but before that you obviously chartered private jets for the rich and famous I guess having a dad that's done what what he's done is always um, you know, I've always wanted to do the same. I've never wanted to work for anyone else. Um, I guess I was just sort of, it's those steps that you take when you're, you know, younger and you, you do the school, then you do the uni, then you go into your first job before you really know what you're doing. Um, and I took those steps and 
you know, I enjoyed them. I thoroughly enjoyed being a private jet broker. I enjoyed taking my friends on private jets. I enjoyed, um, yeah, the the lavish lifestyle. But I always hated putting pounds in someone else's pocket, being told what to do, when to do it. And um, yeah, it wasn't really for me. So my dad always said, you know, you've got to go and do your own thing. You're you're never gonna, you know, you're never gonna make it on a just a, a salary from someone else. You're gonna have to go out and do it on your own. And I've always wanted to do that. It was just the um, it had to be the right thing and it had to be with the right people. So, you know, yeah. I f I'm particularly lucky that uh, Mr. Harv came along 10 years ago and we, you know, we've got such a great connection that, you know, Primetime was born and, um, you know, it's working with your best mate is, you know, so far so good. You know, we, we get on so well and we, <laughs> we do very different things. We complement each other in different ways. So it's, yeah, it's nice. Nice yeah, place 100%. to be. And in terms of, I suppose we'll get into the friendship piece in a minute. But, but half before you went into into prime time, you were PwC. But before all of that, what was your kind of life like prior to accountancy and then beer? A little different, I guess, to Sam's in terms of sort of the the, the parent influence there. But um, I, I grew up in Australia. My dad's an Aussie. Um, grew up in Sydney, uh, and then my mum's Spanish Gibraltarian. So I kind of I moved to Spain when I was twelve. So I've kind of grown up around the world. Never actually lived in the UK. Um, I think that's given me quite an like, open mindset to life and, and, and sort of cultures and how people operate, which is kind of maybe that's pushed me into an entrepreneurial like route and where my risk appetite comes from. But my parents and family have always been very like by the book, um, you know, through the systematic approach, accountants, lawyers, insurance, um, all successful professionals, but um, no one's, I'm sort of the breakaway child in the family. Um, and further afield, like our cousins and whatnot, just kind of looking for something a bit more exciting. And hence, so I guess why I went to uni, I went to PwC, I did kind of a course that fast tracked me through the whole um, qualification at PwC, but then slowly came to realize it just wasn't exciting enough. It wasn't getting me out of bed in the morning. It it just was too mundane. Um, and that's kind of what spurred me on to go, right, there's something, there's gotta be something better out here, something more exciting, something more rewarding more risk comes with you know more reward mm -hmm. but um yeah i'm willing to take that so that's kind of where prime time seeded from i guess um and a love for beer and then meeting the right guy to do it with um and <laughs> It's like a dating yeah. show. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No likey, no lighty. Now you basically met a decade ago, but how did you actually how did you actually meet? Did you swipe right? <laughs> no, it was a more more uh, sort of old school way of swiping right, I'd say. <laughs> um it was guy on train situation. Um, oh really? Go on. Yeah, it was very weird actually. Um I I worked down in, in uh, London. I was at Newcastle University, but I, this course that I did with PwC, I worked part-time down in London. Um, and I was commuting back up to Newcastle for a mate's birthday or something for the weekend. And I was going down the train to the bar to get myself a beer. And I see this guy with a like, case of beer on his lap. And I go, wow, it's tasty. Um, and it's and and, <laughs> and Sam used to be quite a recognisable bloke. I mean, like long shaggy poodle hair and just like you could spot him from a mile away. Um, and we'd had mutual friends and I kind of clocked him. I was like, no, I know him from somewhere. I'd seen him like in my mutual mates' Instagrams or Facebook photos mm -hmm. or whatever it was, MySpace, maybe back in the day, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Bebo or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I just, I just went, mate, like, do I know you or like, where are you from? Mm. I was like, are you friends with Harry? Are you friends with um, this guy, this guy? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. And then we, anyway, we had a beer together, um, ended up having a weekend out that, that weekend together. Um, and then, 
next next following weekend back down I was back down to London for work he's um big big dog promoter in Bodo Slough uh, <laughs> down in London so um bumped into him there again I was like well that's weird and then third weekend down at Oxford Brooks again another part of the country at a house party bumped into him again and I was, we were just like this is fucking weird like three consecutive weekends never met both um and then it kind of just went from there What's this history? Obviously, you two both met and you went on holiday. And I'm assuming it was it was conceptualized, I suppose, not the baby, but the idea. Um, uh, in terms of when you were traveling, the caffeine infused lager was, I, I think you said, on holiday. You came up with that whilst you were whilst you were overseas, and you realised that it wasn't being done in the UK. But why did you decide to not necessarily copy someone, but bring it over to the UK if it hadn't been done already? Was it just because there wasn't a market here? Why did you decide to try and tap into that market? Because it's it's a big risk. I mean, it's something that raises you up, and then the other thing brings you down. It's a stimulant and a depressant in the same in the same tin. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the the seed of prime time was was the caffeine infused lager, and it came from kind of seeing a popularity in in caffeine alcohol in other forms of drinking. So through espresso martinis, vodka red bulls, Jaeger bombs. There's some hugely popular drinks. Um, in the UK, Buckfast, Dragon Soup, all these drinks, um, which are basically conceptually are caffeine and alcohol, but the most consumed form of alcohol being lager, it just hadn't been done. So that was really the gap in the market. Like lager is the most popular drink in the UK uh, and Germany and in Europe. So it's also you know, a perfect market for it. Um, and we just, you know, being two active boys and very social boys, we're like, right, this is something we need. Like we have, you know, sometimes, especially at uni as well, and I think everyone can relate. Like you have nights on the trot and you need something to get you up and back in back in action. And, you know, quite often I was just having a coffee and then a beer. Um, or I'd have beer, 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 and then espresso martini at like some random point in my drinking occasion, which just didn't suit my palate, nor did it suit my wallet, to be honest, <laughs> because they had triple the price of the game. So it was kind of seeing that gap and going, right, let's 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 put, you know, the functionality from those products but into the drink that we want, lager. This podcast is sponsored by Huel, and I want to talk to you about the Huel Black Edition, which is a high-protein meal with everything your body needs in a complete shake. All you need to do is add two scoops to water, and you've got yourself 26 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein in one 400-calorie serving. I'm sure many of you can relate to not being able to get a nutritious breakfast or lunch in your working week, and I've found that Huel is the answer. It automates what you do for those meals, so in the morning, I don't have to think about it. I add water, two scoops, shake and go. It eliminates the possibility of making those questionable breakfast decisions. And I know I've got the protein, I've got the calories and I've got the vitamins. During the working day, just automate it. Make it easy for yourself. There's all sorts of good stuff in Huel. Vitamin D, C, E, iron, fibre, protein. It saves me time and it saves you that decision-making process that sometimes leads to you choosing the more unhealthy option. So if you want to try it, go to Huel.com forward slash success that's h-u-e-l dot com forward slash success and you'll get a free t-shirt and a shaker with your first order back to the episode in terms of um marketing it i mean you guys have been put in a pretty fortunate position just dialing it back to to, to pre-prime time launch really because obviously you know harv and, and sam briefly um you're on made in chelsea and and obviously there's about 15 or 20 people that, that watch that show which obviously has really helped you guys in terms of <laughs> in terms of actually marketing uh, the brand you know how has that helped harv i'll go to you how has that helped you um actually take prime time off in a lot of ways it has um obviously you know building my own social profiles allowed me to promote 
my life to my 90 odd thousand followers and that's you know that's one sort of mm-hmm. line of marketing and brand exposure then sort of the collaborative way in which we work with bars um by the fact that we have this social platform which we can promote our partnership in that bar it actually adds more value to the bar than it does to us in terms of if you put it on like a contra service agreement where you're going right this is how much i charge for a post or this exposure piece but yeah it's almost like a listing fee for um and it just works really like nicely hand in hand it's a mutually beneficial arrangement where we win they win and it helps us seed in the products and um and also you know get rate of sale and pull through off the bar because people know it's there um and then i guess it also is like allowed me to build a network further afield for myself um also in that same world that you know make, means there's more social presence and um a network that we can we can kind of get tap into um so it's been hugely successful and i think going back one step i needed to do it to start this business in that i had to find a salary something that was part-time enough that i was able to focus on the bigger picture in prime time and um, and keep my head above water with enough of an income and enough to put into prime time to seed it and, and get it off the ground. So, it, yeah, I owe a lot to it, to be honest. Uh, looking at the, the the market reach, obviously that's amazing, but you've got to have a good product and you wouldn't want to necessarily band anything around on, on, on TV if it doesn't fundamentally sell. So that kind of takes me back to to when you started prime time from a flavor point of view and an ideation standpoint. You know, How did you go through that process and at what point did you go, this is the prime time we want, let's brand the taxi and, and get it on TV? Because that in itself is a very, very difficult process. Yeah, I guess I think it's worth noting that when... We launched the sh- when we went on the show. Basically, me and Harvey both flew out to Argentina together uh, to film an away series, and we had come up with the idea of prime time. We hadn't had a name. We didn't have a name. We definitely didn't have a liquid. But we said we're going to do this together. I mean, this was part of Harvey's pitch to me when he called me, and I was sitting on a beach in Australia, and he said, "Right, you know this business that we're thinking about doing. Let's let's just go on Made in Chelsea and just launch it. There's no time like the present. Let's just crack on." So I flew from Sydney. He flew from London, and we met in. Buenos Aires and yeah we we had the idea of prime time we didn't have anything else and we went on and we were our scene was like walking into a pub and we'd just been looking for a brewery out there um or looking for like <laughs> Argentinian hops to to make our beer so the storyline really started there and um from there obviously it's filmed and then it comes out like several months in arrear so we had time to to work on it um and then we flew back to the UK and obviously lockdown happened and we both got chucked in the sort of Big Brother-esque Maiden Chelsea house in um, Surrey, where we were together for two months nonstop. And it was a perfect time because when we weren't filming, there was literally nothing to do. You couldn't go outside the house because it was sort of locked down. Um, and and it, we just thrashed it out and we, we, we sort of really brought the brand to life. Um, and then started working on the liquid and getting it, you know, R&D houses working on it and finding the right brewery for us and working on the recipe. And, and then um, we knew full well if it was going to come out on TV and we were going to put our names to it, the liquid had to be spot on. There's, there's nothing worse than, you know, two guys on reality TV bringing out a product and it tasting like <laughs> shit. Um, you know, that was really key for us was that taste was everything. So so we, we got the liquid, we got our recipe nailed, we found our brewery and we entered the liquid into a sort of tasting, uh, blind taste test and sort of awarding bodies. And we came away with, with awards. So we knew that we had an award-winning beer before we'd even launched it. Um, then sort of lockdown ends, we, we come out of it um, and we run straight into a sort of Robbie Sevens um, festival and, uh, and launch it. And it was it was manic and due to Harvey's following and, and the show and we managed to get a lot of stuff for free 
because it was like, oh, we'll do a post and this will be seen here. So we managed to get a VW camper, parked it at this Rugby Sevens festival and, and, you know, had a great time. We had loads of huge other beer brands there and, you know, the queues were like all our side. Um, like Harvey said, we've obviously got a huge influence and network and influence of pool. So, you know, getting people down to support us and getting the word out there really isn't a problem for us. Um, and, you know, our mates all like drinking beer and getting pissed and we can provide a good time. They have to put it on their story. So it's a good, uh, <laughs> nice a good contra deal. I know what you mean. In terms of that kind of burn rate then, when you actually came up with the idea and you had to fund it from a development standpoint, was that funded through VC or Angel or was that kind of bootstrapped and funded, you know, by yourself guys? Yeah, so initially um, the strategy was always to prove concept with our own funding. So it was it was very much our own bootstraps, like fuck, um, got a product to market, you know, infrastructure in place, website, all the rest, um, and got down to this first festival, proved concept, saw that people liked it, it was selling, um, and then we went to sort of start raising, and the raising process was lengthier than expected um not for the negative reasons but actually positive in that we just had interest from quite a lot of angles and each angles got slightly more attractive more attractive um until you know it's kept chasing that carrot and we we're like fuck we're just yeah we're just bleeding ourselves dry here we need to just take something so um you know it came down to who was the best operational partner and who could actually add value further than finance so we went with these guys who um, are in the whiskey industry themselves, um, Craft Irish Whiskey, and you know they've got some sort of operational um, support there and synergies with their business, um, and they you know gave us a nice chunk of money, um, and yeah, so it's kind of then when we kind of t- hit the turbos at that point. Mm-hmm. And you obviously nearing uh, you know completion of that fund, you were signing a deal with with Matthew Clark for distribution, which in and of itself was somewhat of a game changer, I think, in terms of getting you into into those venues. You know, how did you? come across Matthew Clark, how did you sign the deal and how did you get into bed? Because that is difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, so we were actually sat in uh, Jay's office. So Jay Bradley is the founder of Craft, um, who's our investor. And we were sort of umming and ahhing about numbers and, and, and when it would hit the bank account and et cetera, et cetera. And email pinged in and it was Matthew Clark said, we'd like to list you as a you know core, core lager um, across, our, across the whole um, business. And I guess that's another one that came around from... Um, Connect. I think it's from Gareth, who's also um, involved in primetime. Gareth Lott, um, who's also on the show, um, through a connection of his. But again, it was another powerful tool from from Made in Chelsea. They, you know, the buyers and etc. Watched the show, seen it on TV, um, and came down to meet us. I think it's quite rare that you get the head buyer from uh, Matthew Clark to come down and meet you in a pub in London. Normally, you have to get X amount of listings. Um, and you know, prove that there is demand for your product, and then you go down there and you knock on their door, and you it's in Bristol, and you knock, 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 and they go, oh, I'm a few more, get ten more accounts, and then we'll talk. And they've been great; uh, they are an absolute beast. Um, and we've now got some, some big national accounts with them, and you know, obviously proving that you know she had to take a punt, I guess, at the beginning, but you know, we're proving that it was worth it now. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, I think one thing that they realise yeah, they. They don't have in their portfolio is a better for you beer. No, no. So they were like, right, we're gonna, you're, you're gonna be our, you know, lower calorie, lower carb, better for you beer, um, and we're gonna go with you guys because we think we need this in our portfolio. And we're sort of seeing the same thing on the on trade. People like, yeah, it's just a, a product that I guess people don't have. So I guess we have kind of well positioned in that respect. 
Yeah, and I was going to speak exactly about that point because we had um, Huck's Health on the other day, which is a, a sort of healthy pill form, you know, gives you energy, makes you focus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to your point, exactly, with your low-calorie beer, I mean, people do binge, people do drink, and actually that is one of the key things that, that, that uh, enables people to put on weight. I say enables, means that people put on weight, right? And your calories, uh, oh, sorry, your beer is what, 95 calories half? Yeah, 95 calories per bottle can, 330 mil. Um, which is about 30% reduced to your standard lager. But you're right in that, you know, you can drink 10 pints over the course of I don't know, a long day at the football, rugby, or, you know, pub, pub day with the boys, um, which I would do because I get beer from start to finish. And that's 2,500 calories you're getting down, which is your daily intake. And then you don't even count in the dominoes at the end of the night because you're drunk and you're being <laughs> an idiot and the breakfast and, yeah. and all the rest. And that just starts to compound and compound and you become well you get a beer yeah. belly it's not a myth it's a thing um <laughs> and we're trying to strip that away and the, the main metric is is actually the carbs at 63 percent less carbs and that's kind of that bloating heavy feeling which you just don't get so it makes prime time much more session um and yeah just easy drinking well, i've seen you have three pints and then go to the gym which is just mental yeah <laughs> i can hardly do that with water yeah. and let alone beer um yeah <laughs> that's not advised by the way. wow <laughs> I just wanted to say, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, we'd love it if you could rate it, subscribe to it and share it with friends and colleagues. As you know, the more reach that we get, the bigger the guests become and the more knowledge sharing that we can do. To find out more, head over to successpodcast.co.uk. As a startup or SME, it can be hard to keep your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on 100% of the time. A past guest of the show and now series sponsor, Habu, offers solutions to businesses and organisations of varying sizes the ability to pick and pack your product from their D2C hubs across Europe. You can now stop asking your partner to help box up a recent order, and your living room will no longer be filled with boxes from floor to ceiling. Instead, the team at Habu will do all of this for you, and you don't need to worry about size. Habu helps start Startups with orders of less than 500 parcels a week, all the way through to larger organisations with more complexities. So speak to the team at hubu.com and quote success pod and see how they can help you. Back to the episode. I was I was doing when we were doing a bit of research the other day. We uh, were looking at uh, how to buy your beer, and one of the key search terms is how to buy Harvey's beer. So you have literally built a brand, Harvey, based on based on you in that sense. I mean, Sam, in terms of people's perception of Prime and 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 the fact that it may be more affiliated to Harv than 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 to you from a public point of view, do you have beef about that at all, or are you fairly kind of relaxed and just sort of cool sitting in the background to a certain extent? Because some founders want to be at the front, some want to sit back. How do you deal with that? Um you know, I champion it more than anyone. I'm probably Harvey's biggest fan and, you know, I'm always pushing him forward and if I could be his agent, I would be, basically. <laughs> um, it's only going to benefit us as a business. It's like there's no egos involved at all. If, if you know, a perfect example of this is that The Sun wants to do an interview with Harvey and about prime time, but they don't want me to be there because obviously Harvey's a reality TV star, which is fine. But, it's, it, I mean, our brand is still going to be in the paper. It's still going to have a picture of prime time in there. So... You know, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it at all. It's the bigger he grows, you know, the bigger the brand grows, you know, the better, you know, it all gets. Um, I look at sort of Jamie Lang and Ed Williams as a perfect example from Candy Kittens. You know, Jamie Lang was very much like front face of, of the brand, doing all the TV stuff, doing all the promo. It's Jamie Lang's brand, but there's also a, you know, his partner behind the scenes that also is rocking and rolling and, you know, making a lot of good shit happen. And that's kind of what I see my role is um is supporting him on his journey and you know building a brand together and 
you know, not in the background, but, you know, sort of alongside all the other stuff that's going on. Yeah, 100%. And and Sam, when we last spoke, I mean, I think you said that you had dyslexia and, and dyspraxia, am I right in saying? Yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> you can tell it as you as you lick the window behind you. Um, in terms of, <laughs> I can say that because I also have it. Uh, in terms of how you deal with your dyslexia and, and and dyspraxia, you know how how do you do that in the from the working point of view? You know how do you compartmentalize things? How do you work with people and make sure that what you're trying to communicate has been communicated correctly? Because in your head, it will have been, but to other people, it might not have been. Grammarly is probably the number one primetime downloaded application, so we have all got that. <laughs> I think my just sort of dyslexia, dyspraxia hits me in in sort of the numbers, um, which is where he's an accountant, so we can bounce off each other really well. Um, and then I can verbalize stuff, you know, maybe a little bit clearer than other people can. So um, I guess it's also about time management. I really have to pay a lot of attention to like making sure everything's in my calendar and I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm not double booking people. I'm not you know, here and supposed to be there and getting myself muddled up. Um, but that's, I'm just, I guess I'm learning as, I, as I'm going, as this is like the first time we've, you know, we've run our own business and we've got employees and stuff. So, you know, I'm taking each day as they come. And um, I think we we really is having two of us, it's, it's super helpful. We can bounce mm. off each other and, and sort of, if I'm struggling with something, he'll help me and if he's struggling, I'll always mm. help him. So yeah, I'll let someone forget, I'm also dyslexic. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the whole of prime time was like plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like our business. We're all, um, we are all dyslexic. And I think, you know, in part, a lot of founders, a lot of people that do start companies are, are neuro- neurologically diverse. And half going back to, I suppose, your point then in terms of you being dyslexic, how do you deal with it? Because obviously you'll have a completely different coping mechanism to Sam and the rest of the prime time team. Mine's, mine's very much like words and sort of putting sentences back back to front and, and spelling. Grammarly obviously helps spelling my... Um, yeah, and 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 sort of the grammar nowadays, which is great. Um, I think my my other one is I'm not diagnosed ADHD, but it's it's just having so many kind of moving parts and trying to manage, trying to do you know other other bits of the business. Um, obviously, to show TV stuff, Instagram stuff. Um, it's about like just trying to be efficient and and break everything down and like a, a lot slots for everything. And sort of I do find myself doing half the email there then thinking oh shit I've got to do this so I do half that and then half and then that it's just this kind of inefficient like chaotic madness um, which eventually gets done but it, it's like yeah I'm still in a process as I go through this journey on how I best streamline that and like become more efficient and um, yeah it's just starting to kind of put I guess mental structures in place to kind of yeah get on top of it And but it, it's difficult so juggling it it is a juggling act. And in terms of business generally, do you guys have kind of advisors or mentors around you or or are you kind of muddling through and trying to work out what the right and the wrong thing to do is? Obviously, your recent investor will have a say and a steer on what to do. But in terms of in terms of process, and I know, Sam, when I popped in a few weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, an email you were sending and was that email the right email to send? And uh, And it was a very fair question. I often ask the same thing when I'm working, but do you have people in place to say yay or nay on certain things? Jay, obviously our investor is is an amazing guy and has built a, a mammoth business now in, in sort of just about four years. Um, and he's really keen to get involved more. I mean, we had a call with him yesterday and gave him an update on where Primetime was and, and sort of basically where his money's been spent. Um, <laughs> and he's always keen to like get on the phone and um and give us help you know he's going to start sort of vetting sales guys um a bit more and um 
and sort of be more involved. We've also brought on a guy called Ollie, who's a, a non-exec, um, who's an amazing guy. He's got a sort of rum brand. He founded a rum brand and it's, you know, valued well into the millions now. And he's in every country in, in the world, um, sort of Afro, world's first sort of Afro-Caribbean rum. It's really cool. Um, and he's got a background in festivals and um, got a sort of a hospitality sort of events business. And and he's come on board and he's really been amazing. He's day-to-day like on WhatsApp, on emails, vetting all festival deals and contracts and um, should we do this, should we not do that? Um, so he's been great. And we've got a few industry titans that are sort of on the periphery um, that we're sort of touching base with every now and again. Um, so, you know, that's was looking to sort of close that out as the year goes on and sort of within the next raise, really. Um, I guess you, Oli, you're one of them. You're always on the end of the phone for a phone call. Um, I am, whether it's I need right you. or wrong. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but uh, yeah. I'm there for you, mate. I am there. Um, in terms of in terms of decisions that haven't really gone as well as you'd hoped, I mean, obviously when Harv goes and speaks to the Sun and says all the great stuff about primetime, that's what they want to hear. But for people that are listening to this podcast that are going into business and, you know, they're not necessarily uh, able to read a book because the books are old-fashioned these days, podcasts are more current, what would you say to people that, that, that kind of are trying to start a business and and want to get it right first time, but the reality is they just can't. I think it, it, it's understanding and being accepting of the reality is you can't. You just have to power forward, and that is getting it right. Just making decisions, being stagnant and not making decisions is worse than than trying to figure out the right one and getting it right every time. We've just, uh, yeah, we've just kind of gone forward. We've obviously not made every right right decision, but as long as you know over fifty percent of them are right, you're still progressing forward, um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the journey. It's kind of the highs and the lows that you've, what you've got to be willing to kind of accept. In terms of those that you haven't got right, you say fifty percent of them are wrong. Example wise, I mean, what 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 have you what have you done that hasn't gone to plan? So we obviously launched and we, and we found our, our brewery and and we found a brewery at the time that was was suitable for us uh, in terms of um, quantities and um, you know. We we didn't have any money at the time, so it was it was all done on a on a budget that a shoestring budget basically. So found this brewery, and then next thing you know, we've landed a sort of major sponsorship of a huge festival in Cambridge um, called Cambridge Club Festival, where Diana Ross was headlining, and then um, Strawberries and Cream, which Ludacris um, was headlining. So circa forty thousand people, um, and we'd got the um, we'd be Brewdog on this on this sort of uh, tender, and we'd and we became sort of the main beer of the show, the only lager there. Um, so we had to get our arse in gear and get 40,000 cans down to um, Cambridge Club Festival. And we were up there the day before and basically our stock had been held um, ransom by a logistics company because our brewery hadn't paid the bills, um, which should have been the first red flag for us. Uh, and turned out the head brewer had to drive it down in his transit van basically on the maximum weight limit sort of few journeys back and forth first time we'd done a festival the bar operator's like what the fuck we've never had no beer the day before a festival what the hell's going on me and Harvey are standing in a field not knowing what the hell we're doing like any money that we could have sent you know we could you know we'd have done a whip around and asked all of our mates oh send us a grand here grand there send it get this beer released but it was just going into a black hole of debt of this brewery had got themselves into so um Anyway, it turned turned. We got the beer down, um, and we had an amazing festival, and that's really where you know things started to, to rocket. But I guess that should have been the stage that we sent right now. Let's go looking for another brewery and get that fired up. Um, 
and sort of get two working any one time in case this happens again. So um, I guess it is when you have these first red flags, definitely listen to them, um, pay attention um, and not think it's going to sort of go away and, and you're going to be fine because normally when these big ones happen, it's the tip of the iceberg. 100%. Because you, you guys have obviously found a new brewer now, etc. And, and, and in terms of distribution, you've got a pretty good methodology in terms of how you distribute your product as well. Talk to me about that. So we've got, we've got our breweries all in the UK, which we like to keep sort of domestic. And I guess it sort of eases logistics, but really it's it's to keep our carbon footprint down and sort of sustainability and I guess quality reasons. Um, and then we've got, you know, we've got Matthew Clark, which is our distribution sort of route to market. And um, we've got a number of other route to markets um coming up as well um and ultimately the way it works is you know it's a three-tiered model it's you know brewery to route to market to you know venue pub bar restaurant um and yeah you just kind of seed it through like that um also you can sell direct to consumer online um and um i guess this third space which is like you know festivals um you know little events that you do yourself um but yeah that's kind of the gist of how we Refreshing beers and consuming hands. <laughs> is that a beer you've got at ten in the morning, half? Is that right? Product placement. Yeah, it's I know. Beer, mate. So it's <laughs> your coffee and your. It's a perfect morning beer. <laughs> Love what you're doing there. Um, in terms of in terms of when you stood in the field um, with no beer, ironically, you know how how do you mentally get out of that position? Because you know that could have been the start of the end of prime time, right? That could have been a complete shit show. That would have been something the press would have picked up and gone, oh look at these influencers, they've cocked it up, and you know, bad luck, boohoo. Um, but the reality is, you managed to get out of it. How did you deal with that? You know, mentally, I suppose. Personally, I. I thrive under pressure and I, I, I sort of just, you know, I think we've gone so deep and we're so invested in this, that it's like, it's a do or die mentality. Like we're not going to let it fail. So it's just like, right, where's, where's the escape route? Where's the light light in the tunnel? We'll find that and we'll just go for it. And it was, it was a case of like juggling things through through that festival. It was like, right, like we've got enough beer. We just need enough beer to survive today. And then we'll get the rest down tomorrow. And then we're moving, like we were moving cases from, there's like four main bars. There's a huge festival, like, Twelve thousand capacity each day, and like we were having to move like cases from one bar because it was running out to the other bar, and just keeping everything afloat. And it was just a, it was a manning juggling act, to be honest. While actually, you know, trying to activate and promote the fact we were there, and everything was kosher and like you know going smoothly. Yeah. Um, and we pulled it off to you know to our to our own credit. Um, we did, and and to the you know to the front facing like consumers they, they didn't they didn't know anything was up but i think we definitely got a few gray hairs in the last few years of our life um and i think from there it was just you know yeah i think even the smaller bumps and, and hiccups that do arise like it's it's the same it's just like all right well we know what we're doing this mm-hmm. thing's going to be massive like we're, we're moving forward like just got to get on with it yeah, find the solution sure. there's no option for it not to happen basically it's like and that's again I keep talking about there being two of us but if it was just like example me on my own I'd be like fuck like you, you need someone to talk to and you need someone to troubleshoot ideas with and um, to the much you know joy of my girlfriend uh, Harvey is on the phone to me until I go to bed and he's the first person I text in the morning so um, you know it's it's constant back and forth it's constant troubleshooting and, and firefighting you know launching a business and getting it you know scaling it rapidly is is up and down it's like you think you're you you're up and you've made it and then something happens and you're down again and then you're up again it's it's a mental battle it is but you've got to just crack on and you know we've both got that tunnel vision mindset that you know there's no 
there's failure is not an option basically i know it's cr- as cringy as it is but it's, it's really not like everything we put everything into it and um now we know people like it you know it's and, and we've proven concept and it's selling and it's reselling and you know we're getting now it's in, it's a question of inbound people are coming and like oh i want prime time in my bar um it's not like hounding at doors being like please give me a chance it's it's now turning um to you know a lot more pull which is which is amazing to see This podcast is sponsored by Huel, and I want to talk to you about the Huel Black Edition, which is a high-protein meal with everything your body needs in a complete shake. All you need to do is add two scoops to water, and you've got yourself 26 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein in one 400-calorie serving. If you want to try it, go to huel.com forward slash success. That's H-U-E-L dot com forward slash success, and you'll get a free T-shirt and a shaker with your first order. Back to the episode. In terms of your family, obviously, we mentioned right at the top of the podcast, your family's success, Sam, I suppose, and, and again, half. But in terms of what your dad, Sam, now says and does when he sees the success that you have built, you know, he must be, well, frankly, and your mum as well, they must be pretty proud. He, yeah, he is proud, um, my dad. Uh, he's, a, he's a niche man. He's, he is bad. He is proud. He, he doesn't get involved too much because he is very much of... Um, you know, a mindset, you know, he's 78 years old and, it, and business when he was doing it is not how business is done now. He finds, he doesn't get the social media stuff really. Um, I mean, I could explain it to him, but he, he, he does, he's the old school, he's old school. Um, he was initially sort of coming on board with us at the beginning to, to sort of help with the design and, and strategy, but we sort of shortly realized that you, I don't think, you know, the, the new homes and the old homes don't uh, work that well together in business. So it's best to just leave it to one side and um, we'll do our thing, and and he can watch from, yeah, from us from the sidelines. But he's definitely cheering, yeah, yeah. And and that support circle, I suppose, for those that I, you know, those that have got it, that's great because actually it's it's nice to be able to have that kind of candid, off the record conversation that won't affect the share price, or you don't have to have with your shareholders. You know, how important has it been for for both of you, I suppose, to have people around you that you can just chat to, and you know, you just won't be judged. It's extremely important. Yeah, we've got a we've got a great network of young other young founders as well that that are on this same journey, which personally I found extremely helpful. Um, it's funny how when you get to a certain level, they start sort of noticing you and reaching out and stuff. So like, uh, I guess Josh, the founder of Cano Water, is a perfect example. You know, I chat to him a fair amount, and he gives some great advice. He's been there, done that kind of, you know. Um, similar-ish industry you know he knows how these distributors work and um you know his supply chain issues and whatnot so he's a great person to talk to i guess the boys from thursday as well that are on this crazy journey um speaks to them all the time um and and you i guess again you like you're you're on the same journey as well so you know we always um pick up the phone if if we want to speak to someone about or get some advice and you know we've built a great network of you know i guess they're all friends now that are on this same sort of path if not a bit ahead of us um so yeah, it's it's important. It's definitely important because you know we're flying, you know, on our own here. Not really, you know. I guess we don't really know what we're doing, but um, we're learning as we go. And um, these guys that have done it before us are are sort of instrumental to sort of helping, I guess, guide the right direction. And it's interesting because there's so much negativity on social about perception and how you know how people are doing in business versus actually the reality of what they're doing. But actually, for me, sometimes social LinkedIn for one, WhatsApp for another, is very valuable in building those communities, in building those little sort of founders circles, those groups, I suppose. Um, 
Do you use social, I suppose, Sam, LinkedIn from, from a business to business point of view? Do you use that from a, uh, a sort of chatting to people point of view and advice? Or do you use that very much to sort of sell the product? Because you guys, I'm assuming, don't need to push it too hard on LinkedIn. It's just not your market. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, we do. I mean, I post um, quite regularly uh, and tag Harvey and then he repost it. But he's, I mean, he's a social media, he's a social media man. Uh, but LinkedIn is so powerful in terms of um, eyeballs on and you never know who's going to be on LinkedIn. And, you know, if you like it, I guess if you like one of our posts, you never know who follows you that's going to see it. Not many people. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, we spoke about it briefly, um, diversification uh, and that kind of new funding round that you're looking to go through in the next couple of months, you know, from a diversification point of view, maybe let's pick that one up, up, up first, Harvey. What does that look like in terms of diversifying your product offering? I guess it's diversifying in, in two ways, you know, increasing our product range, which is something we're always looking to do. Um, you know, our niche is very much better for you, functional beer. That's what we're trying to do. But that's where we're innovating. Um, so we are looking at other products which fit that mold. So I guess diversifying uh, horizontally. And then also we're looking to kind of vertically integrate the business. It's yeah. a proven concepts, you know, BrewDog's done it so well. Um, and it just, you know, you can just control the whole chain. Um, and get to consumer, um, and that's what we're looking to do. So we're actually we're we are invested in a, a bar at the moment in Chelsea, which we're doing um, in conjunction with our current mm -hmm. investors into Prime Time, the Craft Irish Whiskey Boys, Jay Bradley, um, and the current um, sort of operational head there, who's been sort of uh, running the venue for the last four, five, six years. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a project there, which is kind of separate to you know not under the Prime Time umbrella, but it's going to be our kind of dipping a toe into this hospitality versus integrated space. Um, and it's going to be a cool, cool concept in itself. But then also, um, I guess the other avenues, we're looking to start primetime pub group as well. Um, and that's where our kind of big uh, value adds to primetime will be. And it's going to be um, sort of a concept of better, better for you pubbing. So, you know, everything fits the primetime mold. It's feel good, do good, like, um, and enjoy yourself and, you know, better for you, like, you know, healthier menus, all the alcohol product being kind of aligned with what we do, you know, um, stripping out the unnecessaries and just, just an all around good time there. So that's kind of the concept we're, we're implementing at the moment. And, you know, Made in Chelsea is one of those TV shows which is based in venues. And if a guy that owns a, a pub chain, you know, it makes total sense for them to film in this pub chain. And, you know, the eyeballs that are going to get on these different pubs and the concept's going to get out there mm. is extraordinary. So it just makes total sense. And, you know, then it's put forward into the pubs, small people buying prime time on this mm -hmm. on draft and, you know, building this, this sort of bigger, wider group. I like that, the fact that you are diversifying a lot. I mean, most companies, most founders, most businesses will go, great, I've got to start a company. I'm going to focus on the beer, get the beer right, do that for five years and maybe exit down the line. But you boys are, you know, going into a pub, starting your own pub chain, growing the beer brand as well. You know, have you are you going to have time to do all of that properly, or are you boys going to have to work out a way of of delegating and bringing on other potential co-founders of the pub chain, for instance? Yeah, no, hundred percent. We're, we're definitely we're working with strategic partners, um, people who are you know, operationally more versed than we are in the, in that space. We don't know the hospitality market. We we do have a partner on board who has done it from since the beginning of his career, fourteen, fifteen years now, um, in the London space and you know in the regional spaces as well. So. He's, um, he'll be spearheading it operationally. It'll be our kind of conceptual um, vision, you know, seeding primetime into it, um, you know, funding and all the rest. 
alongside him. Um, so yeah, we're we're quite you know aware that you know, prime time is a, a beast in itself. It's going to take you know more hours in the day than we have. So um, it's all about, I guess, choosing wisely where we can put more other hours of the day that will add value to the the bigger picture. You know, we're not wasting our time anywhere, but um, trying to diversify in the most manageable way possible, I guess. It's about like not being greedy as well, bringing on the right people to make sure this is it can be done. You know, I mean, quite easily we, we and Harvey could have a crack at it together and own all the, you know the hundred percent of it together. But um, you know, that's not what we're about. We you know bring in someone that's going to be of huge value. It's going to take a huge weight off our shoulders. We can concentrate on prime time. They concentrate on the pub group. But you know, we can help with all the activations, with all the marketing, with all the press and PR. So it's a perfect sort of synergy. Um, and you know, everyone wins bringing along you know another friend along on the journey and um yeah it'll be fun yeah sounds like a lot of fun and in terms of the next funding round then just talk to me about that and, and potentially where the money and what the money might be used for i know we do have investors that listen to this a few have messaged me before so sell it now is your time to pitch it to them boys right anyone with money out there listen up <laughs> <laughs> Salt code. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. account number please yeah <laughs> uh so we we're probably we're going to be looking to raise in the next sort of eight to nine months. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to state numbers because we haven't refined exactly what we're after. But um, you know, we're looking to target sort of ten million valuation, and and f- what we raise from that will kind of be clearer when we're nearer the time. But um, yeah, it's going to be used just to sort of build out the team, uh, marketing, um, scaling, get the brand more well known, and probably kind of look to to scale internationally at that point. Um, so yeah, but all, all kind of stuff we're building towards at the moment. So more sort of revenue driving and, and focusing on on the now, but with you know with our peripherals set on on the next race. A point with that staffing and stuff. Obviously, you know, Ollie, you've got a, a huge team, and the salaries that go out each month are are exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we want to build a phenomenal team, and you know, with that comes comes the money. So I think you know, first and foremost, it's going to be building this team. We we're super fortunate that we have a army of students that want to be part of prime time yeah. um of brand ambassadors that you know love love what we do want to get involved and will kind of do anything to get involved so um you know we're building out a brand ambassador program um at the moment which we're going to seed out there and you know get people sort of on board and and sort of falling in love with with prime time and seeing what they can do and then um you know, final years of uni, and then when they come to leave uni, it could be a you know full time position in what, whatever city they're in, um, and that obviously takes funding. So um, it's building out the, the sales team, and you know we want to be in every venue in, in the UK. You know, so with that it takes a team. Um, we can't just do it us in the head office in, in London. As a startup or SME, it can be hard to keep your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on 100% of the time. A past guest of the show and now series sponsor, Habu, offers solutions to businesses and organisations of varying sizes the ability to pick and pack your product from their D2C hubs across Europe. You can now stop asking your partner to help box up a recent order, and your living room will no longer be filled with boxes from floor to ceiling. Instead, the team at Habu will do all of this for you, and you don't need to worry about size. Habu helps start Startups with orders of less than 500 parcels a week, all the way through to larger organisations with more complexities. So speak to the team at Habu.com and quote Success Pod and see how they can help you. Back to the episode. 
So, Harv, in terms of people that are kind of starting out in business, whether that's in your industry or a different industry, what do they kind of need to to know, and what would you say to them if you had to do it again? I think it's it's understanding that the journey is not all up. It's it's ups and downs, and it's being accepting of that. It's you know hearing a no, um, and and being kind of um, determined enough to keep plowing through forward and getting the yeses and getting more yeses and nos and just seeing progress. Um, and it's I definitely sort of strapping in like it's just hard work um, and it's going into the unknown and the dark and you have to be comfortable with that because no one's like you it's uncharted territory that you're doing like every day we don't know what we're doing it's in if we're progressing we're hitting a new kind of level where we're having to you know, figure out what's now next um, and it's just being comfortable with that so if you're about to take that journey I would say figure out if you're comfortable with that way of thinking way of life um, and then if you are then go for it because it's fucking fun one. I think a point actually I might add there um, before you uh, cut in there Oli uh, <laughs> is um, this is quite my dad always says this actually is um, if you haven't moved your business along you know in one one step each day you know basically don't don't leave the office even it could be the smallest thing you know I remember him saying that he was driving home one day and he hadn't moved the business forward in that day so he went back to the office and sent a few invoices which is moving the in, you know moving the business forward at least you know one step every day so um, hope just hitting those, you know, take each day as it comes and um, keep plowing forward. That is, you know, that's the key. No, I, re- I really like that. I really like that. Almost as much as I like your tattoo, Harvey, which is uh, on your wrist for what reason? Product placement. That's what that is. So obviously on the show, um, branding is very strict, um, Ofcom regulations. If you're listening, Ofcom, chill out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, you can't wear anything branded. And I was, well, I, I wanted the tattoo, one of the briefs to our initial branding for prime time, like maybe the top line of, of the um, branding brief is whatever the logo is, we want it tattooed on our body. Um, so it has to be cool enough. We have to like it enough. So we both have it tattooed, but I just went for the wrist. So I, I talk a lot like this, as you've probably seen from the from the podcast so that it gets in, in, in shot and there's a bit of subliminal branding there. It's that smouldering look. Where's yours, Sam? On your ass or something? Mine's in my yeah, yeah. I've got a fair few, so the pineapple took up a bit too much space. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, you learn something every day. <laughs> and Sam, you're wearing one of the primetime cats, I'm assuming that is the merch. I'm sorry for not wearing my jumper. Instead I'm wearing, oh, I'm wearing the tea. And as you've well. got the tea, look at that. It does look good actually, I like it. I like it a lot. In terms, um, in terms, boys, of sacrifices, then that you that you've had to to make to get to where you are, Sam. I'll sort of start with you, but you know it can't have been all singing or dancing. You can't have done everything you wanted to have done. Granted, you can go out and have a session with your mates still, which is a lot more than most founders can do. But what have you had to say no to 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 get to where you are? Uh, sacrifice comes in, in in a lot of ways. I guess personally, it can come in in a, uh, a form where you know maybe I I can't um, give everything to. I guess my relationship because I have to put so much into prime time. So it's about a balance there. Um, and lucky I've got a very understanding girlfriend. So um, that's, that's not really too much of a problem, but um, you know, it's the classic, it's the night out. It's the, you know, going out till 5am or whatever with your mates. It's just not, I personally, I can't do that because then I'm not functioning the next day and we have to be all singing or dancing seven days a week um, to, to make this, to make this thing happen. Um, and yeah, I guess that's probably like, you know, the number one thing for me is saying no to people. I was very much a, a yes man before. Um, so it's kind of turning down things, sort of p- picking as and when I want to go out. And if it's 
not necessarily if it's going to benefit the business, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. But if it's not going to sort of, if it's the standard, yeah, standard night out, I'm not going to get anything out of it. I, I probably will swerve it just because I need to be up the next day doing stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, family stuff as well. It's not seeing them as much as you might like to because you're so busy. But, um, and and also, I guess the paycheck is 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 as a founder at the beginning. Yes, you know, a lot of our friends are making some serious money at you know almost thirty. So. Um, it's kind of trying to keep up with, you know, that lifestyle, the, you know, the holidays, uh, you know, the nice cars, the nice watches and et cetera, et cetera. It's for us, it's, you know, living on a sort of founder's salary at the moment. Um, but it's bigger picture is I couldn't care less about that. So it's all about what's coming in the future and building something amazing. Yeah. Quite easily probably walk into a job with a big salary, but I don't want that. I want to build a future. So. 100%. I was I was uh, reading a, an article the other day and I found a quote to your point, Sam, that said, live how others won't so you can live how others can't. And I think that really sums up that kind of founder's lifestyle of actually you are pumping, you're taking risks, you're, you're making massive sacrifices, which the majority of the world just won't do so that actually in five or 10 years time, you can do what they simply will never be able to do. And Harv, I don't know in terms of your sacrifices that you've, that you've made, if they're the same or, or, or more, I mean. They're, they're, they're pretty much the same. Um, I'm, I'm very much a work hard, play hard guy. Um, I definitely had to strip back on the play hard um, to try and balance it because you just find there's just not enough hours in the day. Um, my social life's definitely taken a hit. Um, I still get to the gym every day. That's kind of a non-negotiable for me. But um, sports, I used to be much more into my rugby. Um, don't really have time for that to commit to kind of being away and playing and um, family. Hol- I mean, holidays aren't a thing anymore. Um, apart from Christmas so things like that when you're like oh, I'm just going to take a weekend off or go away for a week it's just it's not even it's not even a thought I don't even see it as a sacrifice but it I mean now looking back what my life used to be pre giving this business a crack it was much more free-flowing and careless now it's just like where, when where, like whenever I can work I'll work um, and yeah it's, it's it's getting better at saying no we're both yes men I'm, <laughs> I'm probably more of a yes man um, so trying to, I'm still trying to figure out the nose. Um, I hate being rude, and I find, but I have to, and I'm getting better at it. Uh, Steve Jobs once said, "Half he said, it's not what you say yes to; it's what you say no to that makes a business." So you can you can have that one for free as well. I'm really fizzing out these quite cheesy quotes at the moment. But in terms of in terms of your brand, because last time I was in the office, you guys were talking about the zero two and the zero one brand on primetime and where that's going. Have you guys figured out the names for that yet? Or are you still in that ideation phase? Because again, that's all internal. You haven't pumped that out to an agency. You've done that, you know, uh, with, with blood, sweat and tears, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's all been our creative and our kind of, I guess, um, copy and, and narration of, of what the products are. Um yeah, we are still tweaking as we go, adapting, which I think all businesses do. I don't think anyone's brand has ever been the same start to finish. But yeah, we we you know we we had Primetime Classic, which is the, the sort of low calorie, low carb lager, and then we had Primetime Caffeine, which is you know the same but caffeine infused. Um, and we're just still trying to find, based on consumer feedback and how people like order at the bar and whatnot, like what best suits, what's these most easily digestible, and what's actually going to kind of have a bar call and a ring to it. So we've actually kind of we haven't got the labels now but we have moved just to ultimately what we are we're, we're t- both lagers it's prime time they're both lagers and one's just got this additional caffeine you know and actually added caffeine in it so we've got la- prime time lager and prime time lager plus effectively 
and we're just stripping it back, keeping it simple. There you go. Perfect plug. But if And if I want to buy the new branded Primetime, whether that's in the Big Easy or anywhere else, frankly, across London, where can I where can I go? You can get your uh, Primetime in market halls. Um, so any one of those. So Victoria, um, Oxford Street, Canary Wharf. You can get it in Big Easy. It'll be in probably all of those by the time you hear this. You can get it in Monkey House. Um, it will be the house lager of Bagatelle as well, which is obviously a well, well-renowned, amazing venue. Anywhere around Fulham, most places, Brookhouse, um, the White Horse in Parsons Green, um, the famous Sloney Pony, um, <laughs> Moose Boosh. Uh, the list you can't get hard to be very good. Yeah. A bit <laughs> but also, I guess more uh, easily on online www.primetimelager.com and then there's there's a stock tracker on there as well so you can see all our stockists and and that might be it easier routes there you go there you go I, I, that was excellent but Sam don't worry we can come back on the next series and you can finish off the uh, the reel of places in terms of um, coming on boys thank you so much for your time I appreciate it. we're slightly over here um, but pleasure as always and yeah good luck with everything and speak to you boys soon And here's a little message from our Carbon Offset partners, Carbon Positive. So, hey, Andrew, I just, I thank you so much for joining us. We obviously wanted to introduce you because you guys are happily uh, supporting us from a carbon positive point of view, trying to get the, the podcast carbon positive over the next 12 months. But I wanted you to tell the listeners why you chose this podcast and you know what's so special about carbon positive from a non-for-profit point of view. So, we decided to choose Success in the Mind podcast for a couple of reasons. It's not necessarily our absolute forte because of uh, our position being a, being a not-for-profit, but uh, it definitely aligns with some of the aspects that we do uh, and that we want to support podcasts with in particular. We want to make it easy for podcasts to be able to, to, be able to become carbon positive and to be able to make their podcast environmentally friendly and show their listeners that they have a social conscience. We understand that it's difficult for people and it takes a lot of time sometimes and we wanted to give podcasts the tools to be able to calculate and offset their carbon footprint throughout their whole podcast, which goes from everything from production to their listeners across the world, and to be able to offset that footprint and become a carbon positive podcast. So, I mean, for us, it's it's something quite close to our heart. From a business point of view, we're very much focusing on becoming carbon neutral. Now, with regards to the podcast, you guys are kindly helping us along the way of becoming carbon positive. So, 120 uh, percent uplift on on that. Essentially, just talk to me about how you're going to make our podcast carbon positive over the next 12 months? We essentially use an algorithm to calculate the carbon footprint of every podcast. So with that algorithm takes into account lots of different factors, basically everything from uh, listener location, listener device choices, global electricity consumption. For example, with the device choices, if someone was to listen to a podcast on a mobile phone, it's 600 times less energy intensive than if they were to listen to it on a laptop or computer, for example. So we'll take all of that information and we'll create a custom plan that will be specifically tailored towards successes in the mind that will help us in two ways. It will help us to make sure that we can keep really 
up-to-date statistics for every single podcast and it will also give us a good idea to make sure that the algorithm is calculating efficiently you know you're a non-for-profit business b um i don't think you've necessarily worked with podcasts necessarily like ours before so it's really exciting to be on that journey with you helping you guys do it but but similarly sort of seeing what you guys want from us equally no you are you are um absolutely our first major case study which is super exciting for us because it really gives us some in-depth data that we can use to help every other podcast 80 to 85 percent of the podcasts that are produced will be able to offset their carbon footprint for less than the price of a takeaway coffee every month we see podcasting as a as quite a young industry which means that we have a unique opportunity to be able to gain there early and to support podcasts to become carbon positive and make podcasting the world's first carbon positive medium it's properly exciting to to be on that 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 journey with you and i know you guys are based out in switzerland and we're obviously based in the uk but to be able to come together remotely is is very exciting and to be able to see our podcast become carbon positive over the next 12 months for me um, is just another reason to, to to get involved in it so thank you very much for asking us to get involved in terms of people that are listening to to this show and every other show where can they go to a find out more about carbon positive um, and b what do they need to do to get in touch the place to find out more would be to go to our website www.carbonpositive.com but then as we all know every business comes with unavoidable carbon footprint we understand that offsetting isn't the absolute answer but we can make the industry better first of all and then what is unavoidable footprint we can try and offset there'll be a tips and tricks page on the website which will help to reduce first of all and then there's a really short little page on there that you can input two pieces of data monthly downloads and average listening time and then within two minutes a podcast can become carbon positive i think it's worth saying as well the um the footprint of the podcasting industry is 1.7 billion kilograms of carbon per year just because that doesn't really mean anything to me a year ago but now it does it's equivalent to two million flights from london to new york every year or alternatively a flight every 15 seconds it's a drop in the ocean as far as the world is concerned but if we can reduce that and obviously eventually bring that down to zero or even bring it into the positive section which is what we're hoping to do then we hope that that should make a difference wow 15 flights a second carbon positive i love it i'm glad we're involved and thank you so much for thinking of us andrew thank you very much oliver for speaking to me 